everyone. Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line, live from FTX Arena, Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? What's up, David? We're about to make a little bit of an adjustment here, huh? Yes. Yes, we'll have a more full episode in the second half that we recorded uh, yesterday. We're, we're talking right now, 6.30 p.m., uh, an hour before the Heat tips off against the Cavs. On Wednesday, we recorded a very Duncan Robinson-heavy uh, episode yesterday. Uh, we'll obviously have that um, coming for you after the break. But um, earlier today, uh, news broke that uh, Bam Adebayo has a, uh, an injury that will keep him out for, uh, I think, what's the initial diagnosis here? The is around six weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with a thumb injury, um, Anthony, just can you uh, – obviously people know, kind of know the details by the time they're listening to this probably, but uh, just give us the the insight here. What what happened? What – obviously played the entire game, played through an injury apparently yeah. on Monday uh, and actually played very well in the second half. Uh, so what exactly happened here? Yeah, we don't really know what play it happened on. Um, but, you know, as you said, we, we, we all noticed Bam – kind of clutching his right hand, especially yeah. in that second half of that Monday game against the Nuggets. Um, it's kind of crazy. Bam scored like 20-plus points in the second half. Yeah, it was one of the best halves he's with, had in a, in a little while. Yeah, with a torn ligament in his thumb, apparently. Um, he was asked about it after the game, dismissed the question, said he's okay. You know, two days later, we got a press release from the Heat saying he's going to, you know, he's, he's, he needs surgery uh, to repair the torn ligament in the, in the, in the right thumb, which is a shooting hand. Um, the, expe- the initial expectation is he'll be out about six weeks, um, which probably will keep him out for about 20 games or so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is obviously a big loss for the Heat. You know, for, you know I, I know that some, some have said that Bama's not played as well as expected this year, uh, but so much is built around what he does. He's so unique, um, especially defensively. Their, their entire scheme is pretty much built around him. So, um, it's a huge loss, obviously. You know, a couple, as point of references, I wrote this in my story, uh, Marcus Smart and Chris Paul had the same injury with their thumbs. Um, they each missed about five weeks. So after the sur- five weeks from the surgery date, and if Bam gets the surgery this weekend, you know, five to six weeks sounds about right. So, um, yeah, not good news for the Heat. You know, they'll have to kind of – try to get some wins here without him in those yeah. 20 games. I think they just go 500. I think they take it. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they address and how they fill that hole uh, left left behind by Bam. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, we've talked about how the depth has been a pleasant surprise for this team. But, um, well, obviously, with Markeith Morris out, they, they're pretty thin up front right now. Um, you know, we're probably going to see some P.J. Tucker at center, I would think, a little bit. Like, they, yeah. they just don't have a lot of options there. Obviously, Deadman will be the main guy. Uh, maybe your your preseason prediction will come to fruition here now. Uh, he gets, he's going to have to have a bigger opportunity. So that, that depth that we've been pretty uh, pleasantly surprised with is really, really going to be put to the test here. You know, the, the Heat, the depth has been good as the Heat have missed a guy here and there, right? Like uh, two right. games for Jimmy Butler, a game for Kyle Lowry, three games for Tyler Hero. But this is the first time they're going to have to – Go without one of the, the big three guys, and that was one of the, the big worries we had coming into the year. How is this team going to fare if Jimmy Butler had a, missed a lot of time like he did last year? Or, or, you know, God forbid, if Bam, who's a guy who's been pretty rock solid uh, health-wise throughout most of his career, obviously uh, missed some games in the finals two years ago and played through an injury basically all of last season. 
Um, but now we're going to see him miss some significant time. Uh, you just got done talking to Eric Spolstra. What was his take on the situation? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I asked him specifically kind of about Omer Yurtsevin, and he uh, he brought up KZ as well. And he, he pointed to those two guys as probably two guys that are have to step up in Bam's absence, obviously. Um, as you said, I think Dwayne Dedman is going to you know, definitely be the starter with Bam out. Um, but I think there will be minutes for KZ and Omer, and they'll have an opportunity to kind of earn some consistent playing time while, you know, in, the, in this next month and a half uh, while Bam is away. But like you said, you know, I think P.J. Tucker is going to get some minutes at center. I think the return of Markeith eventually, whenever that happens, will help a lot because yes. um, he can play center. I mean, it's not crazy. You know, like P.J. is a very small center. He could do it. Yeah, I mean, well, once Markeith kind of gets back, he and Deadman can really handle yeah. the center for the most part. Yeah. The bad news with that is I, I asked Spo about Markeith today, and he said there's no update. There's a 12th game he's missing a row. There's no update. I don't think he's you – know, they haven't even practiced as a team, so I don't think he's practiced um, in the past month. Um, so it doesn't seem like his return is really that close. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Spo, you know, he, he talked about how, you know, Bam is unique, like we've said. And, and it's going to be, you know, they're, they're going to have to change the way they do some things. Um, you know, when he's missing a game or two because of bruised knee, you could kind of get by with just, you know, adjusting one game, you know, for one game based on the opponent or whatever. But missing an extended stretch like this, um, they're going to have to change the way they play a little bit. Um, I, I would think we're going to see some changes defensively and how, you know, the, the switching is probably those numbers are going to go down a little bit without Bam. Um, and then offensively, without him out there as a facilitator, um, he's going to change some things as well. So, you know, we talked about Duncan Robinson a lot on this podcast. Yeah. He's going to yep. have to step up. Um, Kyle Lowry is, I think, going to have to be take a bigger offensive role with Bam out. Um, and then, like we said, Dwayne Dedman is going to have to play, you know, play more minutes and, Guys like Omer and, and KZ and maybe even Udonis, um, they're gonna have to give, they're gonna have to combine for some quality minutes off the bench um, because the Heat really need it right now. Yeah, and speaking of Duncan, you know, we the, the most of this episode we spend talking about him uh, trying to bust out of the slump and you know not having Bam out there, who's his favorite dribble handoff partner, uh, will hurt that. And, and yeah. then another topic we talk about, a lot about in the second half um, that this kind of I, I, I think kind of changes the, the complexion is I think there's been some uh, just like a feeling of like malaise around the heat, even though they've been playing well and obviously look like a title contender and no matter basically what happens in these next 20 games, if Bam comes back and is healthy, uh, this team's going to be still viewed as a title contender come playoff time. But there, I, I think there's been a feeling that the East is just waiting for a team to, to jump ahead of the rest of the pack. Um, I don't know what the standings say right now, but when we recorded yesterday, I think the top six were all within a game and a half of each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, and I, I think everyone felt like the Heat had a chance that, you know, that a, a run was in them if, if Bam got going a little bit more, if Duncan busted out of his slump. And now, you know, the Heat's going to have to settle for, for kind of being in, you know, at best, just kind of settling into that pack. Uh, into the new year um, and, and hope they don't lose too much ground. You know, the Bucks are on a, on a little winning streak. Maybe the Nets get get rolling a little bit. Um, you know, they, they got to make sure they stay. I don't know if this team is ever going to be in danger of falling out of the the, the top six and, and into play-in territory. But I think that, you know, there was a real chance that this team was going to be able to challenge for the one, two seed. And, and it becomes obviously a little trickier without Bam. Yeah. I, I, like I said. Without Bam. Uh, yeah, a lot. You're right. I, I think, 
like I said, I think if they kind of hover on 500 while he's away, I think you take that, right? I mean, you're yeah. five games over right now. He comes back and you're still five games over. Um, I think you're pretty happy with that. Um, and it's like we said from even before the season, this team is kind of made for the playoffs, you know, and if they can just get a top four seed or really a top five seed at this point, um, I, you know, I think they're in a good spot, especially if they get, you know, Bam's back, comes back healthy and eventually they get Victor back. Um, you know, they'll be okay, but they can't go three and 17 here or five and 15 here. I mean, they, they, like you said, they might drop into play in territory there and then really have to be fighting down the stretch to avoid that. So, um, it's going to be important that they win games, you know, against, you know, I think they have a game against Detroit coming up and yeah. those, those games that are winnable, even without them, you got to take advantage because when you face yeah, Milwaukee Indiana, Friday, or you, yeah, if you, when you pay, right. And you face Milwaukee this weekend or you go on the West coast for five games, that's going to be tough without them, but you have to take advantage of those home games and especially the games against, you know, sub 500 teams uh, while he's out because, uh, if not, this could get ugly. I, I don't expect that to happen. I think this team has enough talent to avoid that, but, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility without Bam. Yeah, it also becomes, you know, Jimmy's not playing tonight for the second straight game, right. and, you know, obviously that means it's a real injury and not like a, uh, he's got a, he's dinged up. Yeah. Right off. Yeah. Um, but it becomes, you know, Kyle and, and Jimmy are two guys who have a lot of miles on them, and the Heat like giving them a night off here and there, um, and that it becomes trickier to do that. Um, when you don't have Pam out there and you're down to, to two all-star, two and a half, whatever you want to consider Tyler Hero, two and a half all-star type guys to do that, um, you've got to pick your spots definitely here. And, and it's going to become a like a war of attrition a little bit, I think, until uh, mid-January when Bam gets back. Yeah, I guess the, the, the good, uh, when I look at a, a, a bright side to this, and there really isn't any, but it'll give Bam time to heal with that bruised knee, right? I yeah. mean. Yeah, we, we were talking. I think yeah. we talked about. I'm, I might delete it because it's out of date now. Uh, but the second half, <laughs> of the we talked about the fact that he looks. He just looks a little slow with that knee, and uh, you know maybe he comes back full strength after that. And these thumb injuries are not ideal, but it does not seem like it's the kind of thing that once it is healed, like should be too too. You know, yeah. like like a knee injury. If you you know if you're torn ACL, you don't know what you're going to come back looking like, or it takes you a full year. Like a, a thumb. Especially for a non-shooter, you would like to think it's not going to like really hamper right. him once he's long term. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, he, and and even Stone mentioned before the game tonight. He said, you know, the expectation is that once the surgery is done, Van will be on the court pretty quickly because it is his hand. So he'll still be able to do conditioning, do skill work with his left hand. Um, so it's not like he's going to have to be off his feet for the next month, right? Right. So, exactly. Um, once his thumb heals. It shouldn't be that long until he's back into you know into games, just because he's gonna be able to still you know be do, you know working on conditioning and, and staying in shape. So that that's I guess that's another positive with this type of injury. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Anthony, thanks for uh, doing this uh, on last minute notice. Uh, head up to your seats uh, now, and uh, we'll take a quick break, and you guys can listen to the rest of this episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to stay for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 
it, it kind of has felt like uh, I, I was at the game with you last night on, on Jokic Brothers Watch, which kind of wound up uh, amounting to, to nothing, literally nothing, basically. Um, and uh, I was joking you, like, we're, we've reached the dog days pretty quickly uh, this season. We're pretty much at the quarter way mark right now, right? right 21 games in. Yeah. So, uh, um, but it, it does feel like we've hit a, I don't know, like, I don't know if a lull is the right word, but it, we've we've kind of reached the point, as you were saying, actually, last night after I said that, it's like we kind of know what this Heat team is, and, and they've got some flaws, obviously, this early in the season, like pretty much every team except the Warriors uh, do. Um, but, and Phoenix. And Phoenix. Um, but, it, you know, it is like kind of that point where it's like, you know, the Heat, when they, when they got off to that really hot start, you know, they weren't going to play at a – I don't know what the pace was at the beginning of the year, but they weren't going to play at a – 65 win pace all year long probably and now they've, they've stabilized right they're they're still uh i don't know what whatever the standings right now i think they, the wizards won last night right so the heat dropped behind them in the standings yeah um, again it's kind of dumb to talk standings talk right now but again they, they've kind of settled into this spot in the top of the east <laughs> essentially you know they're not they're not going to set a wins record or anything like that but you know it, it does feel like somehow we've hit a point where it feels like they've stagnated, but that's understandable because it is November 30th as we're recording this, and, um, you know, teams are kind of starting to figure out what they are. Yeah, and, I mean, it, it doesn't help that they've had key guys in and out of the lineup for the past few weeks. You know, I mean, obviously, I mean, who knows what happens if Jimmy and Tyler are playing, but I'm guessing the Heat don't lose or aren't losing by double digits most of the game. Um might have won that game, you know. I mean, Jimmy and Tyler are the two best offensive players in the team, and it seems a lot different when they're in the lineup playing thirty plus minutes. Um, so that doesn't help. But yeah, I think. Look, like again, this is going to come out Thursday, but in twenty games in, we're not we're not twenty one games in, but twenty games in at thirteen and seven, you reach that mark. Um, we're playing thirteen road games. Um, yeah. You take that every season. <laughs> um, so considering the tough schedule they've had, how few home games they've had. They're in a good spot. The third in the East, we have Chicago and Brooklyn. Right, tied with the Wizards. Tied with the Wizards. Um, you know, only and one five, and a half games. Five teams all clumped within a game and a half at the top. Yeah, the East, it's, yeah. The East is going to be competitive. I mean, that's one thing I think we've learned. The whole NBA is competitive. Like you were saying, it's everyone, you know, Golden State and Phoenix. As we're recording this, again, yeah. stuff is going to change in the next uh, two nights. But Golden State 18-2, and two, Phoenix 17-2, and two, and then the next – uh, whatever teams three, three the next six best teams all have records ranging from fourteen and six to thirteen and eight. So like, they're the Heat are in that mix, that clump right now, the the second tier behind the, those top two teams who are lighting the world on fire. And um, again, that's like what we thought the Heat was going to be at the start of the year. I think uh, so. It makes sense. You know, some of the teams that are in that mix, the Bulls, the Wizards, are, are surprising, but. The Heat are a game and a half behind the Nets. They're tied with the Bucks. They're tied with the Jazz or a half game behind the Jazz in the overall standings, half game behind the Jazz. So, like, you know, it's not that bad. Right. And, and look, I mean, I, I think they're even – they are what, kind of what we thought they would be entering the season, you know, top half of the East. But I think, again, considering their schedule, I would have said they're probably close to 500 at this point just with the games, the schedule they've played so far. And they're thirteen and eight with a home game tomorrow against you know Cleveland's not bad, but it's a winnable game for the Heat if, if Jimmy and Tyler are back. So 
Um, I, I, I do think they're in a good spot. I think there have been some surprising aspects of how they've right. gotten here. Um, but the point they're at, not that surprising. Yeah, that was actually a lot of what Barry and I talked about last week when he had him on, when I had him on while you were traveling, um, was the idea that this Heat team is like winning in different ways, right? It's a different, you know, when we come into the year, I think we thought this team was going to be, um, you know, we thought they were going to be pretty good in transition, right? Or, or they were at least going to be improved in transition instead. Basically, the reason they've been a good offense is because they've been one of the most efficient transition offenses in the league. Um, we thought their flaw was going to be rebounding, probably. And another reason they've been a good offensive team is because they've been one of the best rebounding teams in the league, or at least heavily exceeded expectations there. And then we thought they were going to be a, a pretty good three-point shooting team, um, and, and that they have not been so far. And that's, I, I, I think, where we should probably start, because I, I feel like the biggest – well, there's two reasons I think that there's some Heat fan angst out there right now. Um, one is because uh, – well, three reasons. One is because it's November 30th, and, like, what else is there to do other than, like, nitpick and complain uh, at this point in the year, unless you're, again, the Warriors or the Suns. Everyone else feels like – I feel like everyone feels like there's an opportunity to separate, right, especially in the East, to separate and, and make a run and, and build a cushion and get the one seed. Uh, but then the other, the two actual on-court reasons, um, one is, is Bam is just, you know, kind of, I don't know, it feels a little underwhelming so far this year. Uh, he ended up finishing with some pretty good numbers last night, uh, 24 points to lead the Heat, um, but after a really, really rough start. Um, but then the number one, I, I, it has to be Duncan Robinson, who has just not shot the ball well this year, and... Um, you know, as Max Struess said last night, uh, he's made $90 million for a reason. Uh, he's, he's got a track record. I think everyone knows he's good. But obviously that $9 million contract is also, I think, the reason uh, some people are freaking out a little bit. Um, how concerned let, – let's just start big picture. How concerned are you with this – that this is just keep still going for Duncan where it feels like you just can't shake this slump? I am not getting off the Duncan Robinson train yet. Um, I, you know, this has been an ongoing slump. I know he's had a few, you know, three or four good Duncan Robinson games this season, but for the most part, he's been in a slump all year. And the tweets I'm getting are, when is a slump not considered a slump? I mean, it's been a fourth of the season, like you mentioned, David. Um, but I just still think, I mean, like you said, he's, he's a good shooter. He's a, he's an elite shooter. Um, he did historic things the past two seasons. I did not expect him to shoot 42% again after he hit that mark two years ago. He didn't. He, I think he shot 40% last year. He's down to 32.8% this year. Huge drop off. Right. Yeah. Um, averaging a career high nine three point attempts per game. So I, that's the positive sign that it hasn't like in the past. I know it's been somewhat of an issue for him and, and coaches and teammates have had to push him to keep shooting when he's not making them. That that his turnovers have not deterred him this year. So that's a good sign. Um. But they're just not going in, and it's really hard to explain. You and I were talking about this at uh, the game uh, on Monday night. David, you, you said, I'm not a shock doctor. I can't really tell you what's wrong. And, I mean, that's kind of where I stand. I, mean, I can't really explain it. I don't even think teammates uh, and coaches at this point can really explain it. His looks, he got pretty clean looks, at least against Denver. I know, you know, he's he's made challenging threes his first two years of his career, and 
Um, and he's still getting similar looks, but against Denver, I thought he had some clean ones. I was looking at yeah. them again, and the some clean like, ones. It didn't. This didn't go in. It's just really hard to explain. He's never going to be a guy. He's probably never going to shoot forty five percent from three. You know, like something like a Joe Ingles right. sometimes like shoots forty eight percent for it's a the season. context of the looks, right? Like yeah, he's going to be like Steph Curry, where like a great Steph Curry season, he shoots forty percent because he takes tough shots. And now I'm not comparing Duncan. Uh, I am comparing Duncan to. to Steph, I mean, he um, was in that class the last two years. Right, exactly. In terms shooting, of the yeah. difficult shot yeah. making, um, so yeah, it's surprising that he's you know you can you can you can even make do with thirty eight or whatever thirty seven something like that. Uh, thirty thirty two is obviously like yeah. And I, I try to look at like things I can like just trying to find a reason for why this is happening. Um, and you know, I'm looking at the diff- the, the type of shots he's taking. He's still taking about a, the same amount of shots off handoffs, which has been his bread and butter um, in recent seasons. Um, they're not all coming from Bam, which maybe is a little bit different. I, I, you know, I, you know, some still come from Bam, but now they're more dribble handles with Jimmy and mm-hmm. even like guys like Kyle and guys, you know, PJ even. So like, th- there's th- maybe the handoffs aren't exactly the same as they were last season, but the one big difference I could spot is there's more spot up attempts with him. One, at least one more game. He's taking a good amount more corner threes this season. Uh, 28.4% of his shot attempts this season have been corner threes compared to 17% last season. That's that's a pretty good amount more. Um, so I, I think there's more like, you know, he's so used to shooting on the move, and you would think spot-up looks would be easier for him and be more comfortable for him, but maybe that's just not what he's, I don't know, not, that's not his, his, his strength um, because – it hasn't really translated to uh, to better numbers so far. So yeah. I don't know if they, they try to get him more on the move or what, but um, the one difference I can notice is just more spot-up looks. Yeah. And as anyone who shot a lot of threes in their life, um, you know, and again, Duncan Robinson is a much different three-point shooter than you or me or anyone else who's played a lot of pickup. Uh, those corner shots can be kind of weird, right? Like, you get you know, the backward screws with your depth perception. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, it's the shorter shot in the NBA, so most guys shoot better than, you know, that's usually where they're more efficient. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's, like, a lot of NBA guys um, who are not as good at that shot, just, like, relatively speaking. Um, just because it is a weird it is a weird shot. But, yeah, I mean, it's um, – yeah, I mean, uh, he is clearly – like, he's always been a good on-the-move shooter. So that is um, – I guess, like, it kind of makes sense that, that it's fallen off. But, again, just the, the extreme degree to which it's fallen off is, like, you know, we're a quarter of the way through the season. He's taken a lot of three-pointers. Um, so it's, it's not like it's just a small sample size anymore. I think, you know, we everyone in the world expects he's going to shoot better than – what's he at right now? He said 32.8. Um, 32.8, yeah. He's going to wind up better than that, but, you know, the longer this goes on, we kept talking, oh, he's going to get up to 38, 39. The longer we wait for the hot streak to come, um, the less chance there is for him to get up to that number. Of course, you know, I, we're, we look at the end of season number, but what really matters is that he gets it together come playoff time, basically, right? So uh, yeah. ultimately, the the number he gets to in the end doesn't matter. He can shoot thirty two percent for all he wants, you know, as long as he's uh, shooting forty percent in the last two weeks of the regular season. You feel like, all right, he's figured it out. Um, but 
you know, the, that's the, the problem is it doesn't seem like there's anything to like figure out other than just like he's got to make shots. Got to make shots, right? And it's just another another thing that's really hard to explain. He's shooting twenty three point six percent at home on right. threes yeah, compared the, to thirty eight percent. I have no, I have, I can't explain that. I don't even know what that means. I, I, but very small sample. I mean, he'd have played eight home games, but it's just it's just been a weird season for Duncan so far. Yeah, I mean that that is the you know if you just take that thirty eight percent, I think everyone would be pretty content with that. Yeah, a nine attempts a game. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's it's a little less than you know. I think most most Heat fans probably want him shooting forty, and and obviously the Heat want him making as many as he can. Um, but thirty eight would be pretty good. If that that home number is, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know what to make of that. And Spo got asked about it post game last night, and was like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like it's a small sample size, but I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it, and if 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 the game against um Denver seemed bad for Duncan, it was one of his worst shooting performances in his career. Um, just the second time in his career that he hasn't made more than one three pointer when taking nine or more threes in a game. Um, so, but you know, it, it's been a rough season for him. Last night was kind of culmination of his struggles. Um, I, I mean how. I don't know. I mean, we we were obviously not in this position, and we can't relate to this. Um, but do you think the contract is weighing on him, especially when you struggle like this and you start, you start, you know, your new contract, your new ninety million dollar contract, shooting, you know, eight eight percentage points less than you did uh, the prior year? Like at some point, it ha- you know, the struggles have to pile up, and maybe that that contract does become a factor, and just the pressure it causes, right? I guess. I mean, it must. Like, it has to be playing some role in this, I, I think, just because of how strange this has been and how inexplicable it has been. Um, I have to assume it's playing some role. You know, you would think you get that money and it's almost a stress reliever, right? But I, there is obviously the pressure to perform that comes with it, um, a different kind of pressure than, like, I need to play well so I can get that big payout. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it again, it – like you said, it, it's hard for us to – neither of us have ever been in a position quite like that. Um, but, you know, he's a guy who obviously has talked about – the one thing I will say is that I think we will know whether it weighed on him at some point, right, because he's typically pretty open about talking about these things, um, even if it's not until the off season on his podcast or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it – I, I don't think either of us think, you know, sometimes guys get the payout and they tail off because work ethic slips or whatever. Or, um, you know, with, with him, I think it would be more that pressure than that work ethic. It, do, it does not seem like he's no <laughs> not putting in the work, right? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. Again, we don't see as much as we used to, but, um, yeah, it's it's just it's so inexplicable that it has to be a – it has to be brought up, basically. Yeah. No, it has to. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's been a storyline for most of the season. Um, and, again, but I think 21 games in, it is a big enough sa- – It's while still a small sample size, big picture, it's a big enough sample size kind of in relation to the season that, yeah, it's something we have to track for sure. Um, I think – I honestly think maybe, the, maybe just surprising as Duncan struggles is the fact that the Heat have – the sixth best offense with Duncan shooting right. like this. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of it's been the one, really the one thing that hasn't gone well, 
across the board, you know, Jimmy playing at an MVP type level. I think Kyle has basically been the contributor. Again, even if it's not in the ways we necessarily, you know, I, I would have thought he'd probably scoring more than he is, but he's been the, the sort of contributor we expected. Um, you know, Bam, maybe a little underwhelming, um, but still basically, you know, an all-star level big man still right now. Um, obviously, Tyler has massively exceeded expectations. I think all the deep bench guys, your Gabe Vincents, your Max Struces, uh, obviously your Caleb Martins, who started last night as a two-way player, um, have all exceeded expectations. Um, P.J. Tucker, I think, has probably exceeded expectations. Duncan is the one the one spot where it feels a little underwhelming. And, and I, again, I think that's another reason that maybe there's some frustration is – you look at it and you're like, if Duncan is Duncan, this team is like really, really, really looks like it is in the contender tier. And I, I think they probably still are right now because of how wide open this league seems. But you really would feel like they are right there with the best of the best if Duncan was doing what Duncan usually does. Yeah, and and, and like you mentioned, um, he, he's pretty vulnerable with this stuff. We didn't get to talk to him after. Monday's yeah, game. He's talked about the syndrome. That was the, the phrase yeah. before. Yeah, and and look, he he said earlier this season when he was <laughs> wrote another another story about his shooting slump. I think <laughs> he he had like a big game. We wrote about him kind of coming getting back on track. Um, he his quote was pretty telling when he said it's it's particularly frustrating when you're starting out a year and you're starting with a clean clean slate. It's a great thing that a team is winning, but at the same time, I want to feel like I'm doing my part and contributing. Um, I mean you could. You could tell. I mean, you, you. I think we all know Duncan well enough as far as a basketball player to know that it's weighing on him pretty heavily. Um, and, you know, as a shooter, sometimes it's mental. And I think, I really think, I think one of the reasons it's so hard to explain is it probably is a little bit mental right now. Um, yeah. He, he just kind of has to get out there, put a couple good games together, and, and try to build on that and try to move past this. Because the longer this goes, the tougher it is it's going to be for him and the louder the noise is going to be. He talks a lot about, about quieting the outside noise and not reading social media when he's going through something like this. Um, it's it's easier to do that for a few days, but when it becomes weeks or even months that you're dealing with this type of thing, it, right. it can become very Right, even if you only see one comment a day or yeah. whatever, like, it adds up. Yeah, it adds up, and, I mean, he can't only be seeing one comment a day either because, I, I mean, my mentions today have all been about Duncan Robinson and how bad he's shooting. So it's getting louder. Um, but I, I still have confidence that um, I think I set the over-under at 37% still that he's going to finish with, as far as his three-point percentage. And I think I think he finishes right around there. I think 37, 38. I might take the over there. Yeah, I think um, I would take the over. But, again, we're, I think we're both Duncan Robinson. Uh, we're, 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 we're probably two of the bigger Duncan Robinson yeah. fans out there. Um, but, yeah, I think – you know, and, and like you said, shooting is, is mental, but it's mental the, – the mental becomes mechanical, right? Like, right, sure. If you ever go out and shoot around um, and you, like, miss four threes in a row or something, and you're like, all right, what am I doing wrong? You try to, you're trying to fix it on the fly, and, and that – it compounds, right? You're trying to fix you, – you feel something's wrong. You try to fix it. You overcompensate. Um you know, when when you're pressing, you your mechanics can get out of whack, and that's what makes uh, the really you know the great the greatest shooters of all time the greatest shooters of all time is their mechanics are flawless every time. And again, Duncan and Duncan has a little bit of like a 
you know, he's not, it's not Ray Allen, right? It's not picture perfect release. He's got those long arms. So there's a lot more like flaws that can kind of come in your, like more hitches that can pop up when you've got long arms like that rather than a compact. You know, it's like Tyler Hero. I think a lot of people complained about his, or people were critical of his T-Rex arms, but it's actually good for shooting to have those short arms. Duncan's got those long arms, so it's easy for mechanical, like, hiccups to pop in. Um, yeah, it's just he's got to figure it out. And based on his track record, he's got to figure it out, right? Like, if you look at it. Yeah, I mean. Every, every year in the NBA, he shot very well. And every year in Michigan, he shot very well, too. So, um, you know, he's, he's ebbed and flowed, but there's he's not going to shoot 32% for a season. Like, that. that's just not going to happen. I can't imagine. And – I do think, you know, this team needs him to hit threes, as we've mentioned here yeah. for the last 15 minutes. But they also need to take threes, and at least he's doing that, right? I mean, again, taking nine threes a game, this offense is better. But he's drawing, you know, he's getting he's getting trapped on his catches now. He's getting trapped on the handoffs, like, just to mm-hmm. force passes out of that. I mean, so that's and that's helping his offense. I mean, you see it. I mean, again, they still have the six-best offense, even though he's shooting – uh, 32% on nine three-point attempts per game because he creates a lot of kind of four-on-three opportunities because of the doubles he attracts when he has the ball. Um, so, you know, just having him on the court, uh, I think, makes this this team better. And, that, and that's one of the reasons I don't think I really would be shocked if they made a change to the starting lineup. I know I've seen some fans call for that, uh, maybe putting Tyler Hero in the starting lineup or Max Struess even. I just don't see it. And and once you do that, too, like, I think you, I don't know if you lose Duncan, but that does not help him <laughs> in any way as far yeah. as. Look, maybe you know, it does, right? Like, but that's, that's a conversation that Spo has to have with Duncan, right? It's like, yeah. would it you? I, do you think it would help if we got you out of here and let you, you know, just change up the routine a little bit? Shooting is, shooters are so routine dependent that, um, I don't know, maybe. But, but I, I agree with you that. I don't think it makes sense to change him out. I really enjoyed Kyle Lowry just like spitballing last night about yeah. like. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I was, I was I was about to talk about that. I thought it was so. I was transcribing. I, I laughed <laughs> at that quote. He's just like, it's not my decision. It's just thoughts. Just yeah, thoughts. it's just like going through <laughs> like all brainstorming. But he was like, you know, the, the the thing I took away from that is these guys all know how important Duncan is, even when he's not shooting. Right? He, I I, th- I I don't have the quote in front of me. Like like you might, but yeah. at one point he was like. You know, him coming off of dribble handoffs and stuff, like, that's a huge part of what we do as an offense, right? Like, that is their identity to an extent, right? That is their identity is, you know, their identity is obviously driven by Kyle Lowry and and Jimmy Butler, but that third wing of the defense, or of the offense, you know, the, the first... The first pillar is, is at this point probably Kyle Lowry just driving things. The transition that has become such an important part of this team's success on offense. That second pillar is is Jimmy Butler just doing his ISO thing and getting to the line. And then that third pillar, even more than whatever Bam gives them, and you know it's kind of different from night to night it feels like. But um, that third pillar that you know is always going to be a tenant of this offense is Duncan Robinson, um, whether it's him coming off you know, running around two screens and getting open and shooting on the run or coming, like we said, off a dribble handoff with Bam or someone else. Like, that is a huge, huge part of this team's offensive identity. And, um, you know, you put Tyler Hero in, you totally change up. You know, that that's a totally 
they're, they're entirely different players. You, even Max Struess is not the same run around screens and um, you know run off dribble handoffs type of guy as Duncan Robinson. So I, I think again this team is tied for the fourth best record in the NBA right now. Um, they have a, an identity that is working. I think they have. I think the identity they have right. It's they're not. You know, some teams this time of the year are, are trying to find the identity. The Heat, I think, has the identity. They just need the guys to play better, right? In some cases, and, and most specifically, Duncan's case. So I, I think you're just you try to keep making it work. Right now, there's no reason yeah. that you need to change it to find something that works. You have something that you really that I think the Heat feel really confident can work and can win them a championship or at least get them to a finals again. Um, and there, there's no, you got it. Like you found it. You just need Duncan to make more shots. You need Bam to play a little bit better. Like just, just keep doing what you're doing and refine it, make it work. I, I, I think for now, maybe, you know, if they lose four in a row and all of a sudden they're slipping down to six in the conference, like then maybe you got to change something because you got to like win now. But right now this, this team is much more concerned with getting it right come playoff time. And this yeah. is the look they think will be right come playoff time. Yeah, like, and, and and I'm not necessarily surprised by the loss against Denver, by the way, either. I mean, again, without yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Tyler, Butler can play. Yeah. Tyler. Jokic played. They have the reigning MVP on the team. Um, team was on a six-game losing streak, partly because Jokic missed time. Um, Denver's a good team. I mean, even with all their injuries, when Jokic is in there, Denver's a good team, especially when you're, you're missing two of your top four players. Your top um, two so, scores. Right? And yeah. top two scores, yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and I – Back to Lowry's suggestion, um, he suggested that uh, they it kind of counter, kind of into, counter what we were just saying that they kind of make it simplify things for Duncan. Right, more standstill. Yeah, more standstill, single side tag, pick and roll. If they help off you, we'll get we'll give you the ball. You knock it down. Um, I mean, maybe that works, but I, I just I, I really think uh, history shows that Duncan likes shooting on the move and he likes those tough shots. I, he hasn't really shot well um, on those standstill three point uh, looks. So um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think you, you just got to keep going and, and and have have faith that the math will kind of um, even itself out. You know, I, I think right now um, he's obviously in a big slump. But I, I still think the numbers will, I, I, at some point, um, kind of you know work their way back you know into Duncan's favor because he's just like you said he's just not that he's not this bad of a shooter he's he's a yeah. very good shooter uh, yeah. I think you know he, he'll he'll get back closer to forty percent I don't think he'll reach forty percent just because of the way he started but I think he'll get closer to forty percent by the end of the season yeah it's not just a reliance on the math right because you're this is with the assumption that Duncan is figured like. I assume he's watching film and being like, what's wrong with my jump shot right now? Right. right. They're going to figure it out, right? He's not going to – unless he has a uh, Markel Fultz-like uh, mental like block, <laughs> which I, I don't think is going to happen, but you never know, I guess. Um, like he's going he's gonna to figure out what's wrong and get better at it. So I, I think it'll be – it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, if if this is your worst issue, yeah, I think you're okay. Because, yeah, yeah you, you have one of the best three-point shooters in the league in a slump, and I think, you know, again, like we've said again for the last 20 minutes, like it, it, I don't think it's crazy to think that he's going to 
not he's going to improve off what he's doing right now. And you already have, you know, you already have, you're already one of the top, you know, five teams with both the top ten offense and a top ten defense. You have the sixth best offense, and Duncan is shooting like this. So if he improves even slightly, like you're in a good spot. So um, I think the Heat again are in a in a pretty good spot considering all things the schedule, Duncan, and, and, and different factors. The last topic we had on here, um, the defensive rating uh, slipped from fourth to tenth last night in one night, which I think is more a testament to uh, how wide open this league is and how bunched up so many of those, like I said, that that second tier behind the Warriors and Suns are. But um, obviously the Heat are not happy with being 10th. They're never happy with being outside the top five in defensive rating. Yeah, and and this has been, you know, last night was their worst, probably the worst defensive performance of the season. But really over the past two or three weeks, the defense has not been that great. It's basically been mediocre. Um, last 11 games, really since, you know, since Markeith has been out, um, they're 14th in defensive rating, which is just not good enough for this team. Um, they need to be a top five defense to get to where they need to get to, I think, because yeah, their offense is six right now. Um, but I, I, I think their defense is, is their biggest strength, right? Especially with the personnel they have. Um, and guys have been in and out. Bama's missed a couple games. Jimmy's missed four games during this stretch. Um, Kyle's missed a game and, that's that's kind of you know been a factor, um, obviously, but you know 14th in defensive rating over two or three weeks is just not good enough. Um, they were I think I think they might have been the best defense before this stretch in the league, so it's been a little bit of a little bit of slippage, and and that's with really the Heat have used a lot of zone during this stretch, and the zone has worked very very well up until like two games ago they were allowing 0.7 point, 0.72 points per possession in the zone, which is incredibly good, um, but in the man, the splits were drastically different. Like, their man defense has not been good. Um, so that is a little bit concerning, but I think once they get fully healthy, and even a guy like Markeith can help with size and physicality off the bench, um, I, I think they'll be okay. But it is definitely something to track because it's somewhat surprising they've been mediocre for this long of a stretch yeah. um, in a season with with the roster they have. Yeah, Marquise is kind of the uh, X factor sitting out there because again, like it's been a nice like the Caleb Martin ascension has been like a nice story, but um, obviously the Heat were not banking on him uh, like having to start games this year like he had to last night, and not that you know he probably I guess still would have started because that's not one for one who Marquise is replacing, but um, yeah, he's. Just the, the idea that he can knock everyone from that deep bench group down like one peg in the rotation would would change a lot um, because those are guys who, again, like probably you know most NBA teams just weren't interested in them. Frankly, uh, you know some of them become good players, but uh, there's a reason they were able to get Caleb Martin on a two way and and Gabe Vincent and Max Struess is like undrafted G League uh, two way type guys, so. Um, that's the ex- and like you said, he'll help defensively too. Um, but yeah, to me, like the fact they could drop from fourth to tenth in one night is a reminder, just like that. You know, they can go from tenth to fourth in one night, probably too. So uh, the the pieces again, just the the roster they have, makes me not too concerned long term about the defense, especially because the offense has exceeded expectations. But again, if the offense craters at any point, then um, the defense has to be. You know, the Heat always want the defense to be their identity. It's it's why they went out and got Kyle Lowry uh, to an extent. Um, and uh, 
this team certainly with the way the roster is constructed, that has to be their identity. Do you think they're playing too much zone? Or is, or is that about – I wrote a story a couple of – Yeah, I, I thought that, that, zone was a bad sign. that story you wrote that it's like a bad sign. I, I buy into that. I, I won't say they're using it too much because it's working. And, you know, in the regular season, do what works. Uh, to, you know, just you, you got to get wins, right? But, yeah, it's, it's probably a bad sign that they have to use it that much. Yeah, and it usually starts – I saw I mean, in the, the playoff run, the bubble run a couple of years ago. Like it worked for a little while, but – Teams know how to break a zone. <laughs> yeah, like that's right. It's not sustainable, and, and I feel like every year it starts off really strong the zone, and then like by the end of the year it's not that good because teams adjust to it and figure it out and all that. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, it is working right now, and it is a good change of pace thing to have in your bag. Um, but um, yeah, the man, the man defense has to be better, and I think they all know that. And you know, a couple of guys have talked about just getting on the same page and. Playing with guys maybe you're not normally used to playing with because of injuries has kind of impacted things. And so, you know, there are factors that they're working through, but um, I think the bottom line is this team knows it has to be better defensively, and I think it will be once they're fully healthy. All right. Um, I think we can wrap things up there. You had closed with Hurricanes talk on our outline, but I'm worried <laughs> that we're going to record this and, like, the athletic and then, yeah. 50 new employees by the time this posts. Uh, do you want to give, like, two quick Hurricanes thoughts? Like, what, what, what did you want to get off your chest? Yeah, so this is my venting Hurricane session. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to call for someone to be fired. That's not what I do. But <laughs> but I, I just think there have been positive things from the Hurricane season, right? And I, and I think one thing you have to ensure with everything that South Florida has been through when it comes to football, you cannot lose Tyler Van Dyke because of a coaching change. You know, I'm not advocating for sticking with my ideas. I'm not advocating for making a change. But I think whatever you do, you have to make sure that Tyler Van Dyke is on board because he looks very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and uh, that would be a huge loss if, if he if he leaves because of that. So that would be my one thing. Just make sure that Tyler Van Dyke is on board because you can't lose him. Well, I asked him if he's, if he's staying after the, the Duke game and uh, got a lot of crap from people on, on Twitter, obviously. But it's been a question that people have been asking, right? You're, you're worried about it. People are worried about it. Uh, he said, of course he's staying at Miami. But like he said, um, the transfer portal makes it so uh, guys can can uh, pretty easily move on. The one thing is I, I, I think the, the conspiracy theory that people had is, oh, I'll follow Rhett Lashley to SMU, but um, – SMU is going to – right before Rhett Lashley left SMU, they, he got a commitment from Preston Stone, who is a top 100 overall quarterback – overall recruit quarterback with an incredible name in whatever that recruiting class is. Uh, has not really played yet. Like, this is supposed to be, I guess, probably the year he takes over. So I, I think Rhett Lashley is happy with this quarterback situation there. Obviously, Tyler Van Dyke called him up and was like, hey, I want to come with you to SMU. Then – what is he gonna say? No, but um, right. I'm not. I, I would not worry about Tyler Van Dyke leaving. Okay. Unless unless something really weird happens with the coaching situation and like someone who I, I don't know if there's anyone out in the world who is like openly ripped Tyler Van Dyke, but I'm sure there's <laughs> people. I'm sure he has enemies somewhere. Um, but I, I would not worry. How much money is are the Hurricanes have to pay for a head coach if they make the change oh with, with the current going rate for head coaches? Uh, I was, I was talking country. to Tim, Tim Reynolds from the AP, frequent guest on here, um, I think before the game, and there was like a Twitter rumor out there. I don't know if it's been confirmed. 
that um, that uh, Lincoln Riley was getting eleven million dollars a year from USC, and it's like, is Lincoln Riley go, really getting eleven million dollars a year? And then like two hours later, we were sitting in the post game press conference last night, and uh, the word came out that Brian Kelly is making fifteen million dollars a year at uh, LSU. So uh, yes, inflation has, has come to college football coaching certainly. It is definitely amateur sports, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. When a coach is yeah. making fifty million dollars, it's just yeah. yeah, it's just just amateur amateur. That, that Jimbo contract is a bargain now. At for real. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna. You yeah, got Mel Tucker contract. They signed like three two <laughs> a week ago. Not even yeah, it was after the Ohio State game. Nine and a half yeah. million a year. That's like nothing now. That's nothing. That's like average right now. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's an expen- expensive time to be out in the market for a head coach. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, again, a lot of stuff will probably change by the time people are listening to this, but uh, you can listen to the Eye on the U podcast for the latest on that. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Uh, you got anything you want to plug before we get out of here, or uh, just typical Heat day-to-day stuff? Well, typical Heat day-to-day stuff, but if you're looking for more Duncan Robinson coverage, I wrote a story on it today. And his, oh, uh, there we go. Di- Perfect timing. So it'll be <laughs> so, a couple yeah. days by, by the time people are listening to this. But, uh, yeah, check that out. Um, a lot of Duncan talk post-game uh, at the Nuggets game, even though Duncan himself was not uh, at the press conference. So check it out. MiamiHerald.com. A lot of news these days, obviously, with the Hurricanes and, and the, the Dolphins on a little run. Marlins free agency. Uh, lots of stuff happening uh, in this little window between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's a fun time. Yeah. So thanks as always for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.